I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. Yes, it's a special edition because it is not Thursday night podcast night. It is actually Good Friday. And I'm here with longtime friend, Steve, the guard dog, guard dog Steve, guard dog Steve. We thought it'd be cool to share maybe a few thoughts about Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, Sunday. because of the the day it is today. So yeah, so we've been contemplating these things all day, so we might as well share them. We've got the podcast that we're going to put out tomorrow morning, which is Friday morning probably tomorrow at noon we're going to put out that podcast but hopefully if something comes of this tonight we'll put one out for resurrection sunday too so we're going to try and make it short i think we do have a redneck greek study that should bless you yep that should be part of it so we're going to talk about the upper room discourse Uh not the upper room discourse that's my that's my words bill <laughs> the upper room discourse it sounds so scholarly to yes, say it, yes i'm gonna say it again we're gonna share some thoughts on the what's called the upper room discourse <laughs> which is from when john 13 uh oh my I, is it 19 i no, think seven. It, i i think it's 17 yeah three chapters of the upper room discourse, which means he was doing it upstairs in a room upstairs. But it involved the Last Supper. Yes. And his talk to the disciples and preparing them for what's about to happen in just hours from when he's giving them this upper room discourse. Oh, yeah. It was a serious scene here. He's about to leave the planet and he's talking just as plainly as he can to his disciples. He was talking so plainly that they said, you're You're talking plainly. (laughs) You're talking so plainly that we can see that you are God and have no need for anybody to question you. That's how plainly he was talking. No parables. All that was over. Straight talk. Straight talk. So let's pick it up in chapter 14. Okay. Although it starts in 13. Right. But there's something, especially that Bill wants to share, that he was telling the disciples, and that doesn't start till chapter 14. So we'll start in 14. 14, yeah. Okay, 14.1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. That's a great verse, too, right? You hear it a lot. In, anytime you have a troubled heart. Yeah, in context. Ever, oh, my gosh. 
In he, con- well, okay. Yeah. He, what he, is it in context? Why is he, he telling them, don't let your heart be troubled? He had just told them that he's going to be betrayed and virtually put to death. And he says, well, but don't let your hearts be troubled because I'm going to prepare a place for you. So if you're thinking he's the Messiah, which they are, and he's coming to set up the kingdom of God, and then he tells you what he told them in chapter 13? Yes. That's troubling. <laughs> that would trouble your heart. It would shipwreck your heart. You yeah. would be devastated. Yeah. Very fitting that he says that in 14. Right. Instead of us going around, don't let your heart be troubled, because it says that in the Bible. Yeah, I'm a little nervous about today. I'm going to visit a friend I hadn't seen in a while and not sure how it's going to go. It's, my heart's a little troubled. It was a little bigger than it was a little that. bigger than that. It was huge. So, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. It's interesting, Steve, that you believe in God is an indicative statement. Verb. Believe also in me is an imperative verb. So, what does that mean, Bill? Not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> It means he and the Father are one. If you believe in God, which he says you do, you might as well believe in me also. And then he starts giving them reasons why they should not have their heart troubled. He says, my Father's house has many, I'm reading from the NIV, has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And I'm just going to kind of confess something here, Steve. Yes. I always grew up, I heard that verse a lot. Yeah. You thought you were going to get a mansion, didn't you? Yeah. (laughs) Because, well, the King James actually Mm -hmm. says in my father's house are many mansions. Mm Mm-hmm. And so... I'm just as guilty. I thought I was going to have a a, a penthouse suite. I I thought it was all going to be great. But it's actually not talking about that. That word mansion put a picture in my mind. It did. And I can't get it out. Not till this day. Not till this day. I still think of the Father's house as a place in heaven, a big, big place. And we're going to get our own mansions in heaven, streets of gold. I mean, even that song, it's a big, big house. In my Father's house, yes. But the word there, Steve, for mansions is the word Monet. Pronounce Monet. Monet. It is an adjective. It's an adjective. Not a noun. Okay, so it's describing something. Correct. It's describing the noun. Correct. And it comes from the word minnow, which is a verb. Mm-hmm. And you all will recognize the word minnow when I give you the English version of it. Okay. Give us it. It's, we get the word abide. Abide. Okay. Used over and over. Oh, abide is everywhere. It's the bedrock concept of the new covenant, to abide in Christ and not in your own human effort. The first thing we want to see, Steve, is many dwelling places, many abodes, Mm -hmm. many abidings. Yes. Now, John 12, 24 comes to mind. Okay. Why is that? He says, unless a kernel of wheat 
or seed falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone, a single dwelling place. But if it dies, it becomes, same word, many dwelling places. Okay, that's cool. So the first thing you say, Jesus says, in my father's house are many monets. Okay, dwelling places. Dwelling places. Yes. He doesn't say my father's house in heaven, does he? No, he doesn't. Okay. So before we describe that, Mm -hmm. and before we go a little further in John Mm -hmm. 14, and see where Jesus uses the same word again that's going to blow your mind. Okay. But before we do that, what is the Father's house? Is it actually heaven, or is it something else? Is, Is heaven just a picture that comes to our mind, or is it something else? Well, let's use the scriptures to explain it. Yes. I've had it pictured as a bad-to-the-bone house, but the Bible, I can't find that in the Bible anywhere. Just traditions. Yes. So can I get you to read John chapter 2, verses 13 to 22? Yes, sir. I will read. And the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus was in the temple where those were selling oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers seated and he made a scourge of cords and drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their table and to those who were selling the doves, he said, take these things away. Stop making my father's house a house of merchandise. Did you say father's house? I did say father's house. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. And he's clearing the temple. Yes. That he calls my father's house. Yes. So he's calling the temple his father's house. Okay. Can you continue in 17? Yes. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for thy house will consume me. The Jews therefore answered and said to him, What sign do you show to us, seeing that you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews therefore said it took 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture, and the word which Jesus had spoken. Okay, so what I think I'm seeing here is not mansions. He's not building mansions, but the temple was the temple building where everybody worships. And then he said, if you tear down this temple, I'll build it back in three days. And it said it meant he was talking about his own body, that his body was the house of God. So the house of God has been described in two different ways, but neither one of them was mansions. Am I getting this right? You are getting this right. And let's go to 
maybe Acts chapter 7 and get a little further um, definition. I'll, I'll go ahead and read this one. Okay. It's in Acts 7. I'm going to start in verse 42. This is Stephen. Mm-hmm. This speech cost him his life. Well, I'll listen to what you're you're reading, and then I'll I'll tell you what it meant to me. Okay, I'm going to start in verse 42, Acts 7:42. But God turned away from them, speaking of the Jews, and gave them over to the worship of the sun, moon, and stars. This agrees with what is written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring me sacrifice and offerings forty years in the wilderness, people of Israel? You have taken up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god Raphon, the idols you made to worship. Therefore I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Verse 44. Our ancestors had the tabernacle of the covenant law with them in the wilderness. It had been been made as God directed Moses according to the pattern he had seen. After receiving the tabernacle, our ancestors under Joshua brought it with them when they took the land from the nations God drove out before them. It remained in the land until the time of David, who enjoyed God's favor and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. Now it's the second tabernacle or temple. Okay. Verse 7. But David didn't get to read it. I added that part. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. However, verse 48, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands, as the prophet said, even though God had them make this picture and this tabernacle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do you want me to tell you what? Yes. Yes. It talked about the Old Testament where they had the tent. And they carried the tent with them the 40 years that they were in the desert. That was the tabernacle or the house of God. And then after that, Solomon tried to do a tent or tabernacle. And then David also asked if he could make, just like you said, a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. He wanted to build a temple. But God does not live in dwellings made by human hands, the prophet said. So it's giving us another clue about my mansion. It's not going to be my mansion. It says God doesn't dwell in dwellings made by human hands, and it seems like Even human though he ordained my mansion. And so now there, there's a temple right there in the time where Stephen is giving this talk. Because it hadn't been torn down yet. It had not been torn down. And Jesus already said, tear down this mansion, speaking of the temple. Yes. Which is he also called the house of God. And never called it a mansion. <laughs> Did not call it a mansion. <laughs> See how ingrained mansion is in your mind? It's hard and to it get out. It was never in the, the Greek Bible. He was talking about a place where God would dwell with people. Yes and they would dwell with him. Yes. So we see here when it says in John 14, in my father's house are many. Should we go there? Yeah, let's go back to John 14. Okay, I'm going to go to John 14 too, and then I'm going to go 
jump down to John fourteen twenty three. Okay. And there's a purpose for doing this. Yeah. I'm reading from the King. I'm reading from the NIV. Okay. But I'm going to throw in a King James word in okay. the midst of it. Okay, that makes sense. John fourteen two. My father's house has many mansions. If that were not so, would I have not told you that? I am going there to prepare a place for you. Amen. Now, same chapter, verse 23. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey me. My Father will love them and will come to them and make our abode with them. Okay, so what? what's, what's, what's to do with that? That seemed pretty straightforward. You see where I read the word abode? Yes. Why didn't it use mansion? Oh, wow. Wow. It's the same exact... It's the same Greek word. It's the same exact and, Greek word. Let me get it for you. And they threw us off by saying, in my father's house are many mansions, when they just should have said dwelling places. The Greek, Strong's Greek, 3438, is the word mone, a staying place, residence, King James abode or mansion. Mm-hmm. It's the same word that he says in my father's house are many dwelling places dwelling places mansions yes and we've seen that his father's house could be in jesus body or in now he's saying the father and the son and the holy spirit will make their mansion in us right shouldn't be mansion at all it should be make their dwelling place in us yeah yes and that is what the Holy Spirit off. is going to reveal to us. So let's go back Man. to the middle of chapter 14 and see this amazing news that okay, Jesus is sharing. Okay, okay. So, so I can see why I was thinking I would get a mansion all the time because they lied to me. They, they, I hate to say the word lied, but they, they really made it sound exciting by using the word mansion and who knows, they had no right they didn't have any right to put mansion in there it put a picture and maybe mansion meant something different back then yeah but it sure put a picture in my head and i'm glad i'm gonna unlearn this i've got to go back and unlearn this i've had so many things in my life that i had to unlearn because of the traditional way it was rendered Ah, let me get off my soapbox. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, guess what, though, Steve? Yes? This is better news than you getting a mansion. Oh, good. 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 Because I, I need it. I need it. I'm just going to read a few verses, make a few comments, and I think some encouragement will come out of this. Good deal. Good deal. All right. Verse 12. Same chapter, John 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me... The works I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. So we got a double truly there, verily, verily. Yes. An absolute truth, I'm telling you. So what does that mean? He'll do greater works because he goes to the Father. That's what he said. I'm going away to prepare a place for right him. he said he, he said i'm going to the father he, he just told us that he was going to the father that's where told. he's going yeah and then the father will do something so that we can do these greater works than these okay what will he do he's going to send the holy spirit 
Okay. So he's going to the father. Yes. To make a propitiation for the sins of the whole world. Yeah. That'll get the be slate finished. clean. He's going to get the slate clean. And then we can start with the new creation life. Okay. Completely unattached to what Adam. Okay. Has. And what is the significance of cleaning the slate? Their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. The significance, for one, is like Hebrews 1, it says, after he made purification for sins, he sat down. That's done. What is done? The payment for sins, once for all, for all time, is done. Okay, okay. So he went up to the Father to pay our sin debt. Correct. And now... Having our sin debt paid, we are at complete liberty to have the tree of life, which actually is a picture of the Holy Spirit giving us life. So he had us clean slate so that he could send down the Holy Spirit. Which is going to do the greater works than he did. Okay, okay. Good deal, good deal. It's starting to become good news. His Spirit's coming to us. And then he says the Holy Spirit also is going to make something known to us that the disciples did not know in this upper room discourse, even though he says that to them. He says, in that day, when the Holy Spirit comes, Mm -hmm. in that day, you will know that I am in you and you are in me and I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And the Spirit's in you. We have the whole Trinity abiding in us. They have come to make their mansion with us. So in that day when the Holy Spirit comes, we'll know that it's actually Jesus living in us. Yes. And we will become a mansion for God. I'm using the word mansion because the King James used it. Which we shouldn't. We become a dwelling place. We become a dwelling place for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to live their life in us and through us. Yeah, it never should have been mansioned. We are the vessel. We are the vessel. We are the earthen vessel. Yes, and that's why the crucifixion had to happen. Like it says in, in 1 Corinthians, don't you know you are the temple of the Lord and he lives in you by his spirit? The house of God. Yeah. So in my father's house are the many dwelling places. Dwelling places. The body of Christ is the many dwelling places for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to make their abode. So we we make up the house of God here on this planet. Yes. All of us corporately make the house of God. The church. Right now. Yes. Not in the future. Not in the future. We don't have to wait for anything. Ever since the day of Pentecost. That's exciting. That That's good news. That is good. It's better news than waiting for a mansion. A mansion. Where you'll have all the time in the world in heaven, but nothing to do. Yeah. And especially when you are aware of the fact that we never go to heaven. We stay on the planet. He's going to build a mansion in heaven for us, and we never go to heaven. Heaven comes down to us. Basically, yeah, because we, we raise from the dead, we come out of the grave, and we live on planet Earth after that. A new heaven and a new earth. That was something else I always thought. When I'm going to go to heaven, that we're all going to get to go to heaven, and it's, it's just not true. 
the, the Bible never said that. The Bible says we're raised from the dead and we live right here on planet Earth. And the lion will lay down with the lamb and the bear will play with the child and all that, but it's here on Earth. So we have Passover and then right after that is first fruits. The church is the first fruits of what is coming. Amen. Amen. As it was pictured in the Old Testament. So let that be an encouragement that when he said in John 14, yes. let not your heart be troubled. Yes. Don't be troubled. He was telling the disciples about what's going to right. happen. Because ultimately I'm going to build a place for you. Yes. Or I'm going to prepare a place because he never builds a place. He's preparing us by making us clean vessels by dying for us. Yes. That was the preparation. That was the preparing is preparing us to be pure, holy vessels in God's eyes that God could live in. We're his mansion, so to speak. Yes, yes. Now I hate that word mansion. I really do. I, it, well, let's use the word that it, it uses. Yeah. He said, the Father, Son, and Spirit will make their abode with you. Yes. And it's the same exact word, same exact Greek word in, used in John 14. In my Father's house are many Abodes. Abodes. Why did they put mansions there? The idea just veils the whole truth that Jesus was trying to tell the disciples, that he was going to come back and live in us, that we would be his dwelling place. And I certainly missed it. Yeah, it's the absolute same thing that was said in Ezekiel. I'll put my spirit in you and start the new covenant. That's Jesus, what he's talking about. I know. I know. That's what it's talking about. The starting of the new covenant where he puts his spirit in us and we are the vessels that he uses and he lives his life and does his mission through us. All that God has planned for him to do, he does it through us and we get the pleasure of experiencing him. When we see this, that he comes and is with us it destroys this whole idea of god at a further distance away looking at us with disappointment in his eyes waiting for us to mess up and hoping we can make it somehow no. some way if we carry on long enough and do enough good we'll get to our mansion yeah in the sky if that's not legalism i don't know what is but the idea that he's going to put his spirit in us and we get to experience that spirit living and breathing through us and, and speaking to people, that is awesome, Bill. It, it was a good it was a good podcast. Yeah. That gets you excited about every day, not waiting for some day. No. Every single day you can experience God. You can experience him on a daily basis. That is the euangelion, the good news. And the God of this universe, the creator of all things would want to take up residence in us. I know, I know. What a privilege. What kind of love is this? Yes, yes. You know, he, he could use the rocks if he wanted to, but he uses us. Yeah, that's... Humbling. Humbling, yeah. Yeah. Exciting. It is. It's all Good of news. those emotions. Good news. So, what do you think, Steve? you want to close us in prayer and... Sure, sure, sure. Father God, please allow us to unlearn the idea that we're going to get a mansion someday. Uh, 
that he was building mansions for us, allow us to unlearn that, that prevented us from seeing that he's going to live in us, that he was preparing us so that he could live in us and we could experience him and he could do for us all the things that we can't do for ourselves, which is lead an awesome Christian life and please the people around us and be pleasing to everybody because of your spirit because they can fellowship with your spirit. That is such good news on Easter Sunday to know what he was going to do, why he was going to die so that he could go up to heaven and send himself back down to earth in spiritual form to start a new covenant and live in us by his spirit. Thank you, Lord. Allow us to take root in that concept, the concept of the new covenant. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. Amen. Happy Easter, everyone. Yeah, we love you guys.